You're listening to episode number two of Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast. Today, our special guests are Dr. Barry Johnson, the father of polarity thinking and author of Polarity Management, Identifying and Managing Unsolvable Problems, and Bonnie Wazork, the author of Polarity Thinking in Healthcare, The Missing Logic to Achieve Transformation. These two are living legends, so you don't want to miss a minute of this. If you haven't listened to episode one, you might want to go back and do that now so you have some understanding of polarities before listening to our guests. Otherwise, stay tuned. Welcome to the Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast. We're so grateful you've joined us today. I'm Tracy. And I'm Michelle. We've been interprofessional partners in healthcare for over 30 years. During that time, we've been engaged in healthcare transformation and the development of healthy healing work cultures that result in the best places to give and receive care. We've engaged with healthcare leaders from across North America, and we are tired of seeing time, money, and resources wasted on change efforts that are not sustainable. In this podcast, we explore significant, reoccurring, and competing challenges faced by all healthcare leaders today using a brand new lens called polarity thinking, the missing logic in healthcare. You could say we represent the money ball of healthcare. We're here to expand your current thinking and challenge your reliance on problem-solving tactics. Hello, this is Michelle and Tracy. Welcome back, everybody. We're so glad you've joined us for this episode. And uh, we are feeling extremely blessed and grateful today to have two phenomenal individuals as our guests. They also happen to be our longtime mentors. And I'm talking about Dr. Barry Johnson and Bonnie Wasorek. And, uh, you know, Michelle, when we were planning out our episodes and how we would really start our journey as podcasters, um, I remember thinking, you know, there is no better way than to start with these two individuals. I totally agree. And it happened. We made it happen. Yeah. Because they are foundational to um, polarity thinking. um, And you're going to hear all about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so um, I'm going to introduce Barry. And, um, you know, Barry is a founding partner and chairman uh, of Polarity Partnerships. He is the creator of the Polarity Map and Principles. We call him the father of polarity thinking. And Barry's journey with polarities and, uh, re- you know, really uncovering the polarity map and these principles began way back in the 1970s, like 1975. And you're going to hear a phenomenal story uh, around how this emerged for him. Um, but he has worked in a variety of uh, different um, you know, organizations. He's worked in business and industry. He worked with Amico. He's worked with Hershey, uh, to name a few. He's worked in government uh, with like the UK National Health Service. He's worked with the US Department of Defense, the Charleston Police Department of the city of Charleston. He's worked in education, Michelle, with Notre Dame, the university and University of Cape Town in South Africa. And he's worked with nonprofits as well at the Eco Social in Brazil. I mean, he he's just amazing. And he has um, spent, you know, 44 years really learning and evolving this polarity thinking phenomenon and just being a student of it and a leader of it. And it's just been such a privilege to be with him. He's... Um, very devoted to his family. I feel blessed to have to know him, to know his wife Dana. Um, he's an avid outdoorsman, an intrepid traveler, and um, you know he has uh, three books. And uh, he has a book that's coming out uh, either the end of this year, or beginning of next year, and he'll talk a little bit about that uh, in the podcast as well. So, Michelle, why don't you introduce Bonnie? I would love to introduce Bonnie Wazorek. Bonnie uh, founded the Clinical Practice Model Resource Center and CPM International Consortium that connected thousands of healthcare professionals across the continent in the mission to create the best places to give and receive care. And Tracy and I had the great honor to work with her and an awesome team in doing that work for many, many years. 
The nexus of Bonnie's work was really the development and implementation of a professional practice framework that has guided point-of-care culture and practice transformation work by providing tools, infrastructures, and resources necessary to achieve and sustain quality care, including the first evidence-based interprofessional content that was integrated into health information technology. So a true visionary and pioneer. Her work has gone on in that the Bonnie Wasoric Center for Healthcare Transformation was created at Grand Valley State University here in West Michigan in the honor to expand her legacy work. And then the center created the Interprofessional Institute for Polarity Thinking in Healthcare. And Tracy and I had the privilege of being faculty along with Bonnie at the Polarity Thinking Institute. And she, uh, the institute educates and provides access to resources to help individuals and organizations manage and leverage the multiple common and complex polarities necessary to achieve sustainable transformation. Bonnie has been using and teaching polarity thinking for over 15 years. She has provided multiple workshops on polarities to thousands of healthcare colleagues all across the continent. She has presented on this topic to multiple clinical settings, professional organizations at local, state, national levels, including HIMSS, AONE, Sigma Theta Tau, CHIME, and the National Academies of Practice. Bonnie helped design the original web-based assessment tool to evaluate how well organizations are managing polarities, and she was the primary investigator on the research to test the reliability and validity of the polarity assessment tool for healthcare, which she talks about in our session today. So this woman has won very many awards, right, Tracy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yes. We, and deservedly we, so. Absolutely. And so just to name a few, um, she won the International Award for Excellence in Creativity from Sigma Theta Tau International. She was inducted into Aquinas College's Hall of Fame as Outstanding Alumni. She's been honored by the Michigan Alliance for Health with the Organizational Hero Award. And she's just a well-known international local, national, global, I can go on and on, speaker, because she's so visionary and she's such a great storyteller. And I can tell you, she touches the heart and souls of everyone that she speaks to. And um, she is still bringing her message of what we need to do to transform healthcare. And we're really blessed that she's with us today and she's our neighbor here in West Michigan. So this was such a powerful conversation, Michelle. I was just so struck with the wisdom that I'm still learning from them. Uh, Every time I'm engaged with them, I'm learning something. I think, wow, I know this and I don't know anything. (laughs) That's what kind of struck me. The other thing is just the power of the conversations they had with different individuals and how it changed the course of their lives and, and the course of our life because of that. And uh, so I think uh, people are going to really love this conversation that we have with them. And there's just so much to learn from these incredible individuals. Yeah, because really the interview is about their personal stories and they really have laid the foundation for the work that we are now so committed to and changing healthcare with. So we know that you will really enjoy it as well. And all I could think about, Tracy, is we're amongst living legends. Oh, so true. What a great way to describe it. Without further ado, here is our conversation with Barry and Bonnie. Well, hello, everyone. This is Michelle. And Tracy. We are so excited to have an amazing podcast today with our mentors and some phenomenal leaders in the world, uh, Dr. Barry Johnson and Bonnie Wasoric. Yeah, welcome, Bonnie and Barry. Oh, thanks. Glad thanks. to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure. And it's super exciting to have them here at the same time. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Even though we're all in uh, Western Michigan, but we're not all in the same location. <laughs> and, you know, actually, uh, the sun is shining and it's getting warmer. Are you guys enjoying the warm weather these days? Definitely. Always. As Bonnie looks out her window. 
<laughs> well, speaking of the outdoors, uh, you know, we've uh, we've introduced you to our audience, but just we kind of like to start with something personal. And you both, we know you both love the outdoors. And so mm-hmm. we thought just to have our audience know a little bit about you as a person, why don't you, uh, each of you share, what is your favorite place that you've been, you know, as far as being outdoors and having that experience? What's a favorite for you and why? And Barry, why don't you start? Um, well, one of my favorite places, my wife Dana and I both love the Pine River, which is up by Cadillac, Michigan, and um, it's a beautiful little river. We go there um, three or four times uh, each summer, and we just love it. We used to also go there in the winter, uh, but we've, uh, we've cut back on the winter excursions now, uh, but we, we love the Pine River. It's wonderful. Barry, this is Michelle, and I just want you to know I kayaked for the first time last summer on the Pine River. I can see why it's one of your favorites. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's a great little river. And, and uh, Bonnie, what about you? Well, it's a toss-up. Uh, we're campers, and um, I, I think I would say that my very favorite place I've ever been to was the Redwoods Forest in Northern California. It is the most amazing place. The uh, It's actually a very spiritual place. And you walk uh, amongst those huge redwoods and wonder about uh, all that happened around them and that they've survived. And, and, and the second place would be Bryce Canyon because it's so, so unique. It's just hard to say. I love them both and uh, hope to bring the family there soon. Yeah, I I uh I have to echo your sentiments about um the redwood forest. I've been there with my children. I actually have a picture of them standing on top of a tree that had fallen and they look like ants on top of yeah. that tree, right? Because it's so massive. It's yeah. just phenomenal. Yeah. It, and it, Bryce it. Canyon, my son lives in Utah and I have yet to get there, but it's on my list. So, looking yeah. forward to that. Well, let's get started. Uh, We're so excited to have this conversation. We're going to start this morning uh, with Barry. And um, Barry, you know, you uh, had quite a journey when it comes to uh, polarity thinking. And and, uh, so we thought it might be good just to share a little bit about how you got started on this journey and how polarity thinking kind of evolved for you, how you came to that. Can you share a little bit of that with our audience? Um, sure. It, it actually emerged out of my, my work as a Gestalt therapist. Um, but if I want to just predate that a little bit, I, I lived in, in East Harlem for five years in the 60s. And during that time, I was involved in a lot of movement politics, uh, the civil rights movement. Uh, the, uh, I was marched with, uh, with Dr. King in 63 and the, the March on Washington where he gave his I Have a Dream speech. And in this process, I got more and more concerned about about um, how we found ourselves getting into trouble politically. How do we find ourselves involved in wars? Um, what is the source of the civil rights movement? And I wanted to just be something, someone more than a protester. Um, protesting is, is important. I believe in it right to today. But the question is, for me was, can we understand where, uh, where these uh, dysfunctional uh, things happen, these painful experiences, uh, can we understand where that comes from to try to somehow um, have systems that work better for all of us? And so in that inquiry, um, I got training as a, first as a Gestalt therapist and then got a, a, a PhD in organization development. And it was in this process where I was looking at how to make, how to, how to support us in, in functioning better as human systems that I, when I was working as a Gestalt therapist, I was just completing my two years of training, and a, a woman came to see me uh, as a as a client, and uh, she had an issue that uh, was important to her. And in the process of working with that issue, the first polarity map occurred, and this was 1975. And that night after the session, it was a very powerful session for me and for her, and I realized that. The polarity map that we had, had that had emerged out of our conversation, literally moving uh, around our two chairs, which ended up, you know, being the two poles of a polarity, um, and, and and moving through those, I thought what just happened here was very powerful and 
it occurred to me that it would be that it was scalable. The, 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 the principles that seemed to hold in this session with an individual, as I thought about, I thought this would work for organizations, and I thought this would work for nation states. So that 1975 was the, was the first polarity map, and it got me on a road now, it's 44 years later, um, where I've been constantly working with Bonnie and others to learn more and more about this phenomena and its richness that, we, that I see as interdependent pairs and in the literature, they're called paradoxes, polarities, or dilemmas. So that's where it got its start, and we keep uh, learning uh, right up to today. Barry, mm-hmm. that is amazing that the polarity map came out of a one-on-one conversation. I had no idea about that history. That is fascinating. It is. How many polarity maps do you think you've seen in your 44 years now? <laughs> uh, well, well, a lot, because... Because as you as you know, uh, the, a polarity map is always a values and language clarification process by the client. So though thematically there's a recurrence of of some uh, of some key polarities that show up again and again, but but there's always m- uh, more polarities and more names for them that show up when you listen to the client and hear what what's the language they would use for it, and that was what was so rich about about collaborating with uh, with Bonnie in terms of polarities in healthcare because Bonnie is up, you know knows about healthcare and has dedicated her life to enhancing uh, how people give and receive care and so um, so she would have language that fit with the healthcare system that might not fit with the US government or you use different language for churches and for other systems so there are some basic polarities that show up on a recurrent basis, and there are thousands of ways that polarities get identified and languaged. Barry, some of our listeners probably have never seen a visual polarity map, and we know that's the power of it, is it helps you visualize these tensions that are invisible. So if you had to describe in a kind of a simple way what, you know, the polarity map emerged, but what, what does it really represent? How would you describe that? Um, well, I think the, the simplest way is if you have, um, if you have two, uh, two circles that are side by side, then you wrap an infinity loop around those two circles, um, is I think the simplest way to image a polarity. And so you would have uh, two poles uh, within, the, within the polarity, like uh, for an organization, a healthcare organization, or actually virtually any organization, you'd look at at uh, vertical effectiveness and hierarchies and horizontal effectiveness uh, and flat. So, so you have, uh, or let, let me use this, another one, um, you centralized and decentralized for a system. So in one pole, you'd have written in that circle on the left-hand side, um, you'd have centralized. In the right-hand circle, you'd have decentralized. And then you'd have this infinity loop that, that wraps around each of them and crosses in the middle between them. And, and then, then what you put on that infinity loop is you put a plus sign ab- on the, above the high points of each of those, that infinity loop. So on the top side of centralized and the top side of, of decentralized, you have a plus sign, which indicates that each, each of them brings something positive to the relationship between the two. And on the bottom, you'd have two uh, minus signs, which indicate that though each of them brings something positive, that either of them... Uh, alone without the other one becomes dysfunctional. So that's, uh, that's the most elemental form of a polarity map. And if you leverage it well by getting the upsides of each pole, which is the, the role that you want to play when you're trying to work with polarities, you're trying to get the upside of both poles, that will lift the system towards what we call a greater purpose, which, is, which stands above in the middle of the map. So that's the essence of a polarity map. And the objective is always to, to maximize both upsides and minimize both downsides. And, and Barry, what would you say is the significance of the infinity loop? Like why an infinity loop? Um, well, um, the, the infinity loop has a couple of functions. One is when you think about an infinity loop, how, how it crosses and po- forms an X in the middle of the infinity loop. That X that crosses between the two poles keeps them apart. So it's like an energy system, like a river that's flowing around these two poles. And as it crosses between them, it keeps them apart. 
So centralized and decentralized never become the same thing. They don't, the, the difference does, never gets lost. But notice that uh, with the infinity loop, it also wraps around the outside of both poles, which holds them together. So these two come as a pair in nature and in our organizations and in our leadership. So that, so that um, just like inhaling and exhaling come as a pair, um, you, you never assume that we're going to inhale and then forget about exhaling. Because we know that both of these things are absolutely essential. They need each other. If you want to inhale deeply, exhale deeply. Just like we talked about centralized and decentralized for an organization. If you want to be very good at decentralizing your organization, have a very efficient and effective centralization in order to support the decentralization. So, so, there's a, so that reflects that interdependency. And the infinity loop is an energy system that both keeps the two poles distinguished and holds them together as a pair. And would you also say that it's reflective of the fact that um, they're ongoing and it's never, ever going to go away? That relationship is um, yes. continuous. Uh, because, yes, because polarities are unavoidable because you can't just choose one or the other. Um, they come as a pair, so it, they're unavoidable. And they're indestructible. As long as the system is around, as long as a human being is alive, we will be inhaling and exhaling <laughs> with, with or without assistance. Um, but, we're, but we're going to inhale and exhale. It just comes with being alive. And if you have an organization that has uh, two or more people in it, that organization will always be dealing with some version of centralizing for coordination and decentralizing in order to be responsive. Um, so, like you said, the infinity loop has that function of saying, look, this is an ongoing uh, dimension in life, um, which means that it's there for you to leverage anytime you want to. It's a great gift. It sure is. I'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I'd do without knowing this. <laughs> um, so, you know, there are so many significant things about polarities. I mean, you know, you can't, it's hard to narrow it down. Uh, to any one specific principle about how a polarity works that's most significant. But um, but if you had to say, here's what I believe is most significant about this way of thinking, what would you say, Barry? Um, well, I would say that the, the one of the most important things is that and thinking or polarity thinking is a supplement to or thinking. It is not a replacement. Um, often when we talk about and thinking, people say, oh, well, we need to stop. We need to move from uh, either or thinking to both and thinking. And that's not what uh, Bonnie and I are saying at all. We're saying we need to supplement or thinking because or thinking is absolutely essential. We need to supplement or thinking with and thinking. And it's the combination of those two, which are themselves a polarity. It's that combination of or thinking and and thinking, which um, is uh, is so important. And when we overfocus on or thinking to the neglect of and thinking, which is the uh, which is what happens most times in in our life, we tend to be uh, have an unconscious bias towards or thinking that comes out of our formal education. We come by it naturally. And when we do tend to focus over overfocus on or thinking to the neglect of and thinking, that's when we get in trouble. Um, and uh, but the solution is not just to go to and thinking. The solution is to hold on to effective or thinking and basic problem solving and supplement it with and thinking and the ability to leverage polarities. I think the other thing, this is Tracy, that I I would just say is significant is that all polarities act the same way. And so this whole pattern is predictable. Would you agree that that's a significant component? Um, yes, absolutely. There's a consistency. As a matter of fact, in the in the book that I'm writing right now, as I was writing it, I was keeping track of the of the realities that have emerged over this past 44 years, and I now have 115 of them, and the book's not finished. Oh my! So, so, so there's there's over a hundred realities that you can say are true. If something is a polarity, then these 115 things will be true properties of that polarity. Uh, and, and so you, and you can, 
you can bank on it. Uh, they'll they'll happen this way all the time, every time. Barry, it's always amazing to listen to you. Um, it's it's unquestionable the significance that polarity thinking has brought to both Tracy and I and our leadership and our work in healthcare and how your work has really touched many industries and government and organizations across the world. And with your new book coming out, I just am curious, what is your greatest hope of bringing polarity thinking to the world? That's a big question, but I'm sure you think about it. Well, I think it's best stated in the mission of our organization, Polarity Partnerships, and that is our hope is to enhance the quality of life on the planet by supplementing or thinking with and thinking. Couldn't have said it better. I know. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we're going to shift now to Bonnie. Um, So, Bonnie, we already introduced you to our audience as well, and we're so excited that you're here with Barry today on our podcast. And uh, we want to get a little bit of your background because we know that you were the significant force that brought polarity thinking to healthcare. And of course, you know that Tracy and I are ready to carry that forward because it's so desperately needed in healthcare. But give us a brief history of your work in healthcare and how you really came to know that um, in your work with the framework and paradigm shift thinking, you know, just a background of your work and how this is significant for you. I'm sort of chuckling. I'm sort of chuckling to myself uh, when you said short. Um, <laughs> Uh, I I will shorten it um, to say that I heard Barry say 44 years ago, you know, uh, well, in the the 70s, I was challenged by a student, one of the best I had ever uh, taught and worked with. And at this moment, she was leaving nursing uh, because of the chronic problems of Barry's that faced her every day in carrying out her practice. And when I asked her what she thought the problem was, she looked me directly in the eye and she said, you are. And then she said, you live a lie. And of course, I asked her, and, you know, could you help me to understand that? And you know what she said? You taught me the beauty and the essence of nursing and sent me to a world where no one can live like that. And, you know, at that time, she was presenting me with a dominant polarity that is, of course, on the topic of many people right now. And that is the uh, reality, the practice world and the academic world polarity. However, she didn't know that, nor did I have a clue myself at that moment. However, I did know that she was right. I knew the barriers that surrounded her in healthcare at that time. I knew that the culture was hierarchical, task dominated, margin driven, and fragmented care existed uh, uh, across all disciplines and settings. And at that moment, I made a decision to do something about it. And it reminds me, Barry, of with you, with uh, with your patient one on one, and how that began the process, and how that student brought me to say, I need to know more about this and do something about it. So what I did is I went back to get my master's with a clear goal that I was going to come out (laughs) with um, understanding why this reality existed around us and what could be done about it. And it's really important to note that I was only seeing all of this through the lens of problem solving. Okay, I became aware of the many issues and problems and and what it would take to create a healthy healing culture uh, for that honored those who every day came to give care and those who receive it. And I needed and I knew I needed to know more. And so I, I sort of became obsessed about knowing more. And I for two years, I worked on a framework and a model as I went through the master's program that I thought might and, you know, in the master's level, models are really big. And so to support, what could we do to support the transformation of culture and practice? I was given then a great chance um, to lead this work in a community hospital back in 84. Truly, it was the hardest work I'd ever done in my life and most rewarding. 
we made so many mistakes you can't believe it. We actually started to recognize them after a while and we learned many lessons. Now, as I reflect back, our success, um, I think, sat in the fact that we centered on a healthy culture that was grounded in shared purpose, shared meaning, core beliefs, partnering relationships, really important, the scope of practice for each discipline that represented why they came into the profession in the first place, and dialogue so that we could tap this wisdom. And during this work, I kept in front of me Gandhi's quote that said, each of us need to be the change, you know, we want to see in the world. <clears throat> and that is really hard work because you start with yourself and you can't get anywhere unless you do that if you're going to hope to inspire others to reach for higher purposes. Now, what became obvious to me um, that this, with this work, I needed, and the team needed new skills, deeper understanding, and I was markedly influenced. This is before I met Barry, uh, by Max Dupre, who, when I shared this dream of the best place to give and receive care, he became serious. He paused and said, Bonnie, you won't be able to reach that unless you know reality. And I remember saying to him, embarrassingly now, well, you know, Max, I, I know a bit about reality. And by the way, it is not a pretty picture. And he said, no, you need to know reality. And that was the beginning of the search to know and understand the reality of healthcare. And as I said before, I became obsessed. I studied and researched it, everything I could to seek wisdom. And do you remember when the learning organization was real popular? And I actually realized in an intimate way what that meant back then. And this led to studying grounding theory, systems thinking, complexity science, all boring kind of subjects, sort of, social technological theory, quality theories, which led to the development of a clinical practice model which helped us make sense of the whole. Now, we were having success. And I, and you want to know something? I actually thought I figured out why. I was wrong, but I thought I figured out wrong. I thought that we simply needed to change from the old ways of thinking, notice, to new ways of thinking. No and in there, Barry. I even wrote a book about it. Uh, and was tired of a journey from old to new thinking. And the message of the book was we needed to shift from old to new ways of thinking in order to remove these barriers, barriers that were holding us back to improve our practice and culture. So I started to name the old and the new paradigms. And by the way, I put them side by side and um, I listed many of them. They were always in pairs from old to new, from institutional to professional, from medical care to, to health care, from hierarchy to partnership, from cost to quality. And and, and if you look at the book, as I drew the diagram, I, I didn't, I knew something wasn't right. Um, and and then I realized, see, we were talking about paradigms. Remember how paradigms were just a, a big conversation at that time, but it was moving from one to the other. But, and then in that, it was letting go of the way of thinking and replacing it with other. And that's when I was blessed with a clinician who said to me, a really excellent clinician, okay, she said, and she was a, a master of her practice. And she said, you know what, this isn't right. It isn't moving from institutional to professional. We have got to do institutional. It is, that's equally as important. And in our, in our definitions, I won't go into that. And she said, you know, it has to be that way. And she helped me see that my thinking was incomplete and we needed both. And I actually wrote down, this might be the missing link to why we were surrounded by continuous chronic problems. And then I met Barry and everything changed. What a great guide he was, huh? <laughs> and and, and so tell us a little bit about how you met Barry. And then, um, you know, how did that really kind of change things for you? Oh, it it's so markedly changed. That's why I'm so excited to be here with you, Barry. Um, 
he entered into the life of our work in the mid-90s. And I think it's interesting, Barry, that you and I were actually, you were writing your second edition of your first book about polarity at the same time I was trying to figure it all out, going from to and from, right? And I had a person come up to me at a workshop and said, oh, I bet you know Barry Johnson. And I said, no, I don't. But I have learned that when somebody says something like that, you follow up. And he said, oh, I thought maybe that you uh, you knew of his work and you were using it. Because he was seeing this to and from. And, um, and probably at that moment, he didn't have the depth of knowing both an and. But recognize it related to this to and from in some way. And that's when my partner, Lori, I said, we need to call this Barry Johnson and find out where he is. And ended up he was in our, our community, what you know, not too far away from our community. And I thought, oh, boy. And when we met, um, the one thing that um, was important is at that time, Barry, in my life, I look back and see that my clarity and passion on the mission to create a workplace worthy of the commitment of the healers who came every day to practice and worthy of the trust of those receiving the care was firm. It was it was really strong. And, and I had the help of hundreds of colleagues who constantly were listing these recurrent problems. And um, so... When we met and studied, what you did at that time in our journey was help explain so much of why we were seeing problems occurring over and over again. It, it helped because you were clearly defining the difference between a problem and a polarity. And we, we had no idea what a polarity was, but we knew what a problem was and we were good at problem solving. And that was great. It really made a difference. And I do believe that helped us because it explained why we got so good at problem solving because all we were doing was solving problems, but they kept coming back. And um, it explained something that I was struck by when I read something Florence Nightingale wrote 150 years at least before it, that she was talking about the same issues and problems that we were having every day. And... Um, that it helped us to know why that was occurring. So it was the greatest gift. And you you, you call the uh, infinity loop a gift because it gives us a chance to uh, really, if we don't get it right the first time, we've got a chance to come back again. So that was the beginning of a, a wonderful uh, partnership and learning between Barry and I. Yeah, and um, I think it was just amazing that Tracy and I are both with you at the beginning of your journey. And to take that realization that it does explain so much mm-hmm. and then take it to the next level of working yeah. with a consortium to really understand um, the major polarities that will never go away in healthcare. They'll always be there. So Bonnie, describe a little bit of the work of you inviting Barry in and working with the consortium around some crux polarities and what happened next with this discovery? Well, what was so wonderful is that we had already developed a consortium. That is people who are on the same road and with the same mission to create these best places to give and receive care, something that really wasn't around at that time. Uh, So we had, we called them together, brought Barry, and I'll never forget when we as a group sat there, Barry, and you were teaching stuff polarities and the ahas that were in the room, the energy and excitement about, well, finally, there's uh, something that we can address these issues. And what became really clear, and at that time there were, at that time there were only 39 um, different organizations from different states in the country, a couple from Canada, and that we realized that the issues that were haunting us every day were really not problems to be solved, but polarities that needed to be leveraged and managed. And it gave us direction and hope. And it's just been nonstop ever since. 
<laughs> so, um, you know, nonstop ever since, so true. <laughs> and I was, I was thinking and reflecting, Bonnie, when you were talking about how, um, you know, understanding how having that framework of polarities really helped to make sense of what was being experienced every single day. And I can't tell you how many times Michelle and I, or, you know, either one of us are talking to somebody and they'll say, oh my gosh, now I understand what I'm experiencing. It's like, I think it's the one thing, right? That whole understanding the principles, understanding the, the dynamic that exists in this interdependent relationship really helps the people to be able to make sense and then to have a common language around that, um, you know, to explore it. Um, and so I, I, I'm just right there with you. I was thinking about how that's just, while that was true so many years ago with the consortium we were working with, it's true today as I was well. just thinking the same thing of recent conversations we had. And so there's still such a need to expose leaders, healthcare leaders to polarities. Yeah. Well, and then the two of you have done some collaborative work as well around polarities and, um, you know, creating a polarity assessment. And Barry, let's just um, go back to you and start with you. What led to the development of the polarity assessment? Um, well, I think the, the most pivotal moment about it was uh, when we were working with, with uh, Amico. Uh, in uh, in 1993, um, we uh, uh, we had been asked by uh, by Amico to do a I think we had about two uh, two to three hours uh, in a full week of leadership development at Amico. They were bringing their top 3,000 people, 85 at a time, uh, into uh, their their campus just outside of Chicago. And they, my, my book had just come out, and they had decided they wanted to have a few hours on polarity thinking as a part of this whole week of leadership development. And so they did this for something like 42 weeks um, in order to get all these, these people. And what happened was, uh, for all 42 weeks, the part of the, of the week-long presentation that they thought was most useful was the polarity management uh, and polar leveraging polarities section of the of the five days, and so they said we want to have uh, we want to have this be made available to the other thirty thousand people at Amico, and we're not going to bring them all through classes like we did the top leadership folks, the top ten percent. So, is there a way that, that you can help us uh, bring this to the rest of Amico, and that? resulted in us creating with Amico the first uh, computer-based uh, course on polarity thinking. And it was so early in the uh, computer learning uh, time that the, the course was put on three floppies, and it had to be designed in such a way that it could be, could be seen in both color and black and white because a lot of computers didn't have color yet. So, so that was early on. But in the middle of this, Larry Fuller, who was then the CEO of Amico, came to one of our sessions in which we were designing the learning program. So we were, uh, we were going regularly to Chicago to create some models and run it by them. We wanted to make sure two things were happening. Was the technology understandable? Could a person you know, on the, at the computer, could they just follow it? So technological ease was one, and, and were the basics being communicated? So we were trying to make sure we had trial groups and all this. In the middle of this, Larry Fuller drops by in the middle of one of our discussions, and he says, Barry, if you were to systematically introduce polarity thinking to an organization, uh, is there any evidence that you have that that would, in fact, lead to the organization having positive impact on its bottom line. And I said, uh, no, Mr. Fuller, we, we do not have that research. Uh, all I have is stories of how effective this has been with a variety of organizations. They show up in my book. This was two years after, you know, a year or two after my book came out. And I said, we have a lot of stories. But we don't have that systematic research. And I said to him, I said, you know, I'd be glad to collaborate with you, with Amico, and, and we could get 
any one of the, you could choose the university here at Chicago, University of Chicago, Northwestern, you know, you could pick the university and we would have them be collaborators. We would get uh, people who are in the PhD program in organization development. They'd love to do research on Amico and on the application of this. And we would create a control group uh, and a, a target group that would be introduced to polarity thinking. And we would assess what is the impact of, of introducing polarity thinking. And I said, I'd be glad to do this with you, and I wouldn't charge a penny for it. And, and he looked at me, and he said, we're not going to do that. And I said, well, now you know why we don't have the research. <laughs> and, 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 and he said, he said, fair enough. And, but I went back that night, and I thought, what if he had said yes? How would we know that somebody... That, that, that people in an organization, how would we know that, 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 that a section of Amico was better at leveraging polarities? You know, we, we don't have a way to assess. I mean, we, we, we could know that we have taught them, but how would we know that they had learned it by their behavior or by, how would we know? And then I thought, wow, sometime in the future, I'm going to do this. And so I need to have an assessment ready for the time when when somebody says yes to that <laughs> to that offer and so that began as it was in 94 we started on our assessment and and so uh we have been working on it ever since but that's where it came from and now we do have an assessment and bonnie was a uh, uh was a significant help in identifying uh what would be some key polarities because that was the first question what polarities would you be assessing and this, this all happens, we were just interested in doing an assessment um, at the same time that, you know, that Bonnie was, has already now um, uh, started to be, to be clear in this process about, about the importance of polarities in healthcare. And so, so we put together an exploration of how we build an assessment that would work in the healthcare arena. So that was the first, first discipline area that we were looking at how can we create an assessment. So Bonnie was, was central in all sorts of ways to us getting a, a, a start on assessing polarities because healthcare was the arena and she was the primary, uh, and, and she and other people within her organization, uh, Clinical Practice Model Resource Center, to uh, thinking about, well, how would, we, how would we assess them? So we learned about that together. Great, great. Thanks, Barry. Again, fascinating story how it came out from one organization and the lessons and realizations that are, you know, they just really bring it right in front of us what needs to be done and what the next step of this journey is. And Bonnie, we certainly know the work that you put into working with um, Barry's team and the consortium. And also, you know, a set group of organizations, two from Canada, two from the United States, to actually test the reliability and validity of this, uh, you know, polarity assessment too in healthcare. And would love to hear from you, you know, maybe key lessons from that, but also the potential you see in measuring polarities in healthcare and why that's so significant. It it um, it changed everything. Um, this this process. Of, of the assessing at the time if you look back what the amico ceo said to barry was being said to every single person in every leadership role and in healthcare it was being hit left and right and if you can't if you can't show outcomes you will not be listened to and um there, of course, was at that time more a quantitative, not a qualitative concept of outcomes back then. But I, I was laughing at myself, Barry, when you said he said, you know, how's this going to impact our bottom line? That mission margin polarity is absolutely fundamental and critical in every organization. And it was it was interfering with us having the uh, um, ability to get the support we needed to carry out, if you want to think about the mission, if you don't have the margin. Well, um, for me, I knew that we had to have a real-time, I would call it real-time diagnostic information about the effectiveness of efforts being made to strengthen each pole 
In order to reach that greater purpose or desired outcome that we all want, and we could get them to that. And not only that, remediation information used for future action steps. Now, the assessment tool was the first of its kind to give us real-time feedback. I actually, at that time, went to um, the corporation I had gone into partnership with and said, by the way, I want to go part-time. To their dismay, I have to admit, because I knew that I had to work on this. I knew that our future, would we would not be able to bring polarity with success unless we could demonstrate the impact of its outcomes. And so I went part-time and um, worked with, actually real closely at that time, with Luke, Barry's son, and said, no, it's got to do this. We got to make it do that. We got to do this. And then established a research study um, to create this real-time tool related to the top priorities that were identified by our consortium that needed to be addressed. And so um, it was it was very powerful. And and even today, it is not being used as it needs to be used because people, first of all, they have to know polaris, understand them, and then say, well, Lord in heaven, how are we doing? What is our status of, of managing that? And um, so it was, for me, more important at that time than anything else. And um, I think that the, the research is out there more needs to be done. It's really just a beginning phase. And that's why I'm glad Missing Logic is around, because I believe that will be our key to moving this forward. Thank you. Thank you, Bonnie. And, and the work that you did was so significant. And for our listeners, um, the study that Bonnie's referring to in her work on the polarity assessment is... Um, is published in Nursing Outlook, and we'll include that in our show notes so you can refer back to that work as well. So, Well, thanks so much for um, sharing your journeys. And um, as we begin to wrap up, um, I'd like to ask you, Bonnie, um, what, what is your greatest hope for polarity thinking in healthcare? Hmm. Well, that we'll be divided no more. And those things that really matter, that every person will understand the difference between a problem to solve and a polarity that needs to be leveraged. Raising that level of understanding to a point that every person engages, regardless of role, in the achievement. So we reach those higher purpose and just stop wasting time, money and resources that are happening all over the place. You know, that made me think just now of something that I loved when uh, I heard Peter Drucker say, the greatest danger in times of turbulence is not the turbulence. It's to act with yesterday's logic. And I'll tell you, it was just everywhere. So I guess my greatest hope is that we will be able to take the turbulence that exists and will always exist, the change that will always exist. There is, uh, that's what, Barry, I love about the infinity loop. It's, it's a journey. There's no end. It's transformation will always be evolving and that we now have a tool because of your wisdom and because of your thinking that um, helps us to come to the higher purposes. Thank you, Bonnie. Yeah, thank you. And Barry, uh, last closing question for you. Um, well, 44 years of this phenomenal work. We know it's not done yet. So tell us a little bit about your new book that's going to be coming out. Well, uh, be before that, I'd just like to respond to what Bonnie just talked about in, in terms of the, the notion of wisdom and the wisdom within, uh, within our work that we've created together uh, around polarities. And that is... Uh, it's important, I think, to recognize that the polarity map that was sort of a, an accidental discovery is a wisdom organizer. And the wisdom actually is in the organization. It's in the particular hospital you're working with. It's, uh, the wisdom is in the, the people, uh, regardless of where they are in the hierarchy of the organization. Uh, the, the wisdom is in them. And 
all the polarity map and principles bring to that wisdom is a framework for them to organize their the wisdom that's in them. And so the, 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 it's really important to recognize where the wisdom is here. And, and it, it's, it's, within, it's within the individual patient. It's within the, the individual caregiver. Uh, it's within the individual leader. And, and, it's, and it's also embedded in the organization as a whole. So it's there. Um, and and what, what happens with the polarity map is it can become a wisdom organizer. And, and just, just to share how that is so real, when I work in countries where English is not even a second or third language, um, I'm sharing the principles about a polarity map, bring the polarity map to them, and then through a translator, I'm suggesting this is, this is, um, this is what goes in the upside of this pole. What would be the positive results if you focused on the left pole? And they will be filling out this map in a language that I cannot read. And so at the end of this process, I've just suggested that this, this, is a, this is a framework in which you put in the content. And when they get done with the map, I cannot read a word on the map. And when they have their action steps and early warnings, I can't read any of it. And all I do is go back and ask them now, is, is, is this, through an interpreter, they translate, is this what you have in this quadrant? And if they're saying yes, then, I'm, then I will say to them, okay, this is how this polarity works. And through a translator, I talk about if you overfocus on the, ups, on, you know, on the upside of this left pole to the neglect of the upside of the right pole, you're going to get, find yourself in the downside of the left pole. And I will sit, and this is all being translated now, and say, does this fit for you? And, all, and everybody's heads will uniformly nod yes. So that's when I know that they have, in fact, brought their wisdom, their language, their values to this map and made it something that is useful to them. And now the principles we talked about will apply to them. All they have to do is translate the principles into Swahili or whatever the language is, and those principles will apply to the map they generated. And I don't have to ever see uh, or you know, have that map even interpreted back to me. So this, so that's an important point about about it. The wisdom is in the is in the people in the system. Um, in terms of the the book that uh, that I'm writing right now and I'm just finishing up, um, what I'm excited about is that we we've learned a lot of things about uh, through through applications in the past 44 years, um, uh, and uh, and a lot since the first book came out in '92. Uh, so. Uh, you know that it's for quite a while we've been with the help of Bonnie and 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 both of you, Michelle and Tracy and others. We keep learning about this phenomena, uh, which which by the way I think the best language for the phenomena is the interdependent pair. Yep. Uh, and and so we learn how do these interdependent pairs that show up in life? How do they work? How can we help people? tap into them because they're an energy resource that's just available like gravity and sunlight. And what what my hope is with this book, and it's going to be a two-part book, it's actually two books. And the first book is a foundations book where we're going to, I'm, I'm the author of that, and we're going to just be summarizing what we've learned since the first book came out in 92. Uh, and, and we give examples of how it, how it applies at the individual level, individual and family level, applies at the organizational level, applies at the national level, and applies at the international level. So every section of the book where we talk about a polarity, we look at how it relates to all those levels of system. Um, and that's the foundations book. And then we're going to have a field book. And Bonnie's going to have a chapter in this field book about how polarities apply to healthcare. And other people are, uh, Tim Arnold is going to do a chapter on on uh, how it applied to him creating a homeless shelter in St. Catharines, Ontario. And so we have this whole, uh, uh, these two books will be coming out. The first book, the Foundations book, hopefully will be out uh, by the end of this year or early next year. So that's, that's what's coming and we're excited about it. We're excited about it too. We cannot wait to read it. And um, we just know that, you know, the wisdom that you two have brought to the world is just incredible. We feel very privileged that you're our mentors and our colleagues and our friends. And um, we know that this is a journey and there's a lot more work to do and a lot more discovery. And we are so grateful that we could have you both with us today to share with our listeners really the 
the beginning. Yes, yeah. thank you both. This has been just a wonderful experience. Well, thanks for having us. I appreciate it very much. I, I feel the same way. You know what I think is interesting? Um, today is June 6th. It's the 75th anniversary of D-Day. And in this process of remembering the importance of interdependence between nations to reach a higher purpose of freedom, it seems so appropriate for us to have this conversation. Well, thank you, thank Bonnie, you. for bringing that to our attention. So, until next time, <laughs> we know that we are going to be um, really having a lot of uh, great episodes on our Missing Logic podcast. There's so much to teach, and we're very excited about having this platform because that's one of the things that really Tracy and I become aware of is where do people go to learn about polarity thinking, and then learn from people like you in the field that are actually applying it. So we have a whole slew of uh, guests lined up. And uh, we know for sure we will be calling you again for some future interviews, especially, Barry, when your book comes out. And uh, Bonnie, when your field, um, the field section for your work is done, we'll, we'll be in touch. today. If you found our conversation insightful or helpful, please share this episode with others you think might benefit. Also, go out to iTunes and rate the show and share a review because we really like those positive ones. Wink, wink. You can access today's show notes and downloads at www.missinglogic.com forward slash podcast. If you want to learn more about polarities in healthcare or how you might manage them in your organization, you can contact us for a free consultation. Just go to our website at www.missinglogic.com.